What's up, witches? I'm Taylor. And I'm Amber. And, and this, this is Waking Up, up the witch. witch. We're your neighborhood witches. Each week, we talk about all things witchy and connect with other humans in a storytelling format about navigating life on this floating rock. We're two curious ladies trying to understand the human experience. But while we do that, we think it's important to honor the people that lived here before us and honor the cultures and traditions that we're being inspired by. This podcast is about waking up the witch, which means we are learning and growing every day. That being said, we are always open to feedback on how we can do better. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the views and opinions of waking up the witch. Now, let's go ghouls! <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Amber. Hi, Taylor. What's poppin'? Um, only my favorite kind of fall day right now. The best. Seriously, I, one of my favorite things about Oregon is that the seasons show up literally at the solstice or at the equinox. And, like, literally we had our last, like, warm day the day before mm-hmm. fall hit. And here we are. And now it's, like, raining and the leaves are changing and it's foggy and the coziest, happiest time. Yay. I fucking love it. I love it, too. I'm so excited. How are you? Excited. I <laughs> hate summer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't care about it. <laughs> it's hot and maybe i'll have like a new found joy for it when i have a child but um right now gosh i'm being pregnant during summer four out of ten the worst well it's like everybody plans all the fun stuff in the summer and like i'm down for that but like you can't even do some of it because it's so hot. <laughs> so like I would like to be able to enjoy these concerts or whatever. So, um, super stoked feeling that this chapter is coming to an end. <laughs> this baby chapter. And I'm feeling sentimental about it. Like, even though I haven't really liked pregnancy, it will still be kind of sad that it's over. And weird because she's like living in there, yeah. and then I'm like, "Am I gonna feel empty?" Oh, but then she'll be like outside. It's weird. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, you are growing her inside of you. Yeah, and she's getting real frisky in there. Uh, yeah, I was telling you a little bit earlier, but I had this dream last night of like total alien vibes but just you're like her reaching her fist out and her foot and like your stomach just morphing in every way she kind of was doing that last (laughs) night while i was going to bed yeah like like we see that like a little bit you can see those movements but it was like so exaggerated (laughs) like a whole arm coming out of your belly just like waving around let me a little freaky but it was kind of exciting because it was always when I was around and I'm like, hey, Goldie. And she's like showing don't, off to me. And then don't some, say oh. the name. Rewind. Uh. Hey, baby. <laughs> I was like, hey, baby. And she's like showing off, uh, waving her arm around. And then someone else, I don't remember who it was, was trying to get her attention. And she just kind of paused and wasn't moving around a whole lot. Like, no. Yeah. It's a funny dream. Cute. Um, How's your week been? good my baby shower was good 
I feel like I like all the pictures from it. I felt cute that day. I got to like chill and enjoy myself. Um, It was a lot more easygoing than my Midwest one. I feel very loved. So many gifts. So many things. This baby has all the things and I just feel good. I feel great right now. Speaking of gifts, Ooh. I have a, a few extra goodies for you that I thought would be fun to open on the pod. Let's do it. Okay. You're like, I'm like, I don't want to open in front of people. And you're like, I'll just have you open in front of hundreds of people instead of the 20 that are at this party. Okay. So if you don't like it, just make the face. Just pretend. <laughs> Lovely, an autumn smoke, beautiful sage bundle. Smell it. So yummy. Mm, it just smells like like a rainy day outside. Just, beautiful. These beautiful little smudge bundles from Lit Rituals. That can be the babies. They're so pretty for your autumn baby. Oh, I like that name. I'm so glad she's being born in the fall. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) It says new to the coven. That's so cute. (laughs) Our new little witchy bestie. (laughs) So cute. Oh. You know she's going to be all weird and woke. She's going to be like, yeah, when I was in space, (laughs) I was talking to your grandma. I can't wait to hear her stories. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just wondering if we, like, nurture that part of her and don't tell her that it's weird if it'll last longer. Mm, I hope so. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. I had a feeling. And it's, like, in the pretty font that you love, too. This is bright-ass pink. That wasn't supposed to be in there. (laughs) it says my mom's tattoos are better than your mom's i mean maybe maybe not she'll think that till one day she's like mom what does food and pussy mean and i'll be like it's cats i always forget about that tattoo and i'll find out her parents are fucking weird You needed one. Is it too. one of the cauldrons? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You needed one. It's so cute. <laughs> oh, yeah. Super cute little crystals that I got. They're fluorite crystals in the shape of cauldrons. So cute. They're so cute. You can order them at moonbees.com. Moonbeeswellness.com. Moonbeeswellness.com. <laughs> Oh, just some breathing. Some ASMR for you. <laughs> it's a little tarot onesie and it says the child. That's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> oh, baby swag. Thank you so much. You're welcome. These are definitely the, the coolest ones. <laughs> Yay. Don't tell anybody else. I just feel like she needs some cute witchy clothes too. Oh, cute some fun sticker. fun makers oh cute the mom the mom bun, bun. <laughs> oh that's so cute little sticker cute um i think i've looked at this company's blankets oh cool 
Had some good uh, Etsy support and fun things. I was trying to figure out like how to make a waking up the witch onesie, um, but it was taking me too much time to figure out. So maybe we can I'll do show that you. for you. Yeah. Because that'd be real cute. <laughs> or we could just make merch for everybody. Next up. With some waking up the witch onesies. Yeah. My sister got me a onesie that says, let's go ghouls. Ah, yes. That's really cute. We definitely need shirts and mugs that say that. For sure. Okay. How are you? Um, I'm really good. I took a lot of time off this week. Some on purpose, some not on purpose. Um, But I worked on my, like, Moonbees days off. All of them this week. Mark went on his vision quest in Mount Shasta all by himself, his very first solo camp trip. I was home alone um, two full nights and days this week, um, which was kind of nice, but also like I found myself just staying really busy too instead of taking advantage of being home alone. Um, So I did some like thrifting all day one of the days, which was really nice, and I just love finding like cool old used someone else's treasures now my treasures kind of stuff so I got to have an opportunity to work with my beautiful neighbors downstairs from Moonbees at the other easy and over easy the owners there are so fucking incredible um but I I did a clearing of the space downstairs because they so if you're not from here the other easy is one of like the best brunch spots, in my opinion. It's the over best. Over easy. Over easy is the best brunch spot here in Medford. I agree. Um, and one of the best in the Rogue Valley for sure. Okay. And they opened up. They they rented the other building next door to them, and there's like a whole transfer room between the two, so they can go back and forth, and that's like their coffee bar and night bar area and you know the energy there has just been a lot different for them and so it's been different and the other easy from the over easy correct yeah they were explaining to me like over easy when they first opened it like it was just a huge labor of love and all this amazing energy that went into it and um, how it's just always felt really really good over there they have like I don't know if you've ever noticed but where they have their big table in the back on the wall there's like these old newspaper clippings that are framed and hanging there and apparently those were clippings that they found in the walls there yeah. when they were like breaking down the walls between the two cool. um, spaces and so they like found them they're real cool like old historical things things about the holly theater like things that are local to the rogue valley which is really cool so they framed them it's just like a piece of the building and the history there's just so much energy in there that is really beautiful and um that it just holds a lot of love it's always felt not necessarily easy but it just is much more flowy And when they opened up the other easy, which is next door, it just hasn't ever felt like that for them. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of stuck energy and everything. They've also tried to do a lot of different things down there that aren't pulling in as many people, which like they're all great ideas. Yeah. And all the food is delicious. So it doesn't Yeah, it's been hard. Like so there's been a lot of evolutions already in that space that they've had. 
Um, and it just, it, nothing's sticking. Things are just, they don't feel as good. Even, even the energy they feel is just really stuck. Um, so they've, we've been trying for months now to like find a time that works well for all of us so I can go in and just like clear the space and bring in new intention. And it, of course, everything happens in divine timing. Like I really feel like when we did it was when it needed to happen for them. Mm -hmm. And it was right before the autumn equinox. So it was really beautiful to be able to share like this magic with them and to have them really like all I was doing around or doing was going around and like all the nooks and crannies and anything I would do like in my home or my own space and just really like clearing out the energy and asking any old stagnant energy to be released um, and to infuse it with like new vibrant energy. And so we, but we did this together and I asked them like, I'm going to go around and this is what I'm going to do. But while I'm doing that, I want you guys to either in your minds, if you feel safe doing so out loud, that would be better. But like infuse this space with the energy that you want it to be like speak it out into existence into this room. So we're, we're removing the old stuck energy, but you are literally filling in those spaces with all of this beautiful energy that you want. And it was so powerful and beautiful like for them and just for me just to go around and like where I could feel the energy shifting and Richard, our ghost of the building, like totally came in and I could just feel like the sense of pride for them. And it, you know, made them feel emotional because they knew him and they're like, he was always so proud of us and like what we were doing. And yeah, it just felt really good. And they, wow. they like really loved it and just, it was really special for them. Um, and like went in the next day and she was like it feels so different here and Miranda who's one of their um employees who's been there for a long time like she was away all week on vacation and had come back right after that and she's like it feels so different in here and she had no idea that like anything mm -hmm. had gone on until you know she had come back but so yeah just that was really nice to be able to share that energy with them and we just have so many things planned for the future um to help them like individually but also within their business space and and it was interesting too because they all noticed like a whole bunch of new people had started coming in that week after cool. um so that I thought was really cool because they really were just wanting to bring in new energy mm -hmm. and it was happening like instantly amazing so that was really beautiful um so yeah and then when was it friday my dogs like found a fucking rodent trap in my backyard so annoying and i was really worried that they got into it apparently it like fell from a space and um i had no idea it was even up there I would not have approved of it being placed mm -hmm. there in the first place but it was supposed to be tied up high and it fell down somehow and wonton she like she's a little wild protector child of food thingies and so i oh, and also if she finds like rodents she just gets like really protective of it it's mm -hmm. disgusting she's very much a hunter dog and i heard her like doing her normal sounds that she would do to like protect food um and i go over there and that's how i found her next to the box like trying to keep tofu off of it and i was like oh no what is going on here so i freaked out was having anxiety and decided to stay home that day just to keep an eye on them um thankfully that everyone's fine everything's okay 
and you know we cleaned out that space in the area cut down all sorts of these bushes it's like the most chaotic part of my yard too um so of course <laughs> but we went there and just like cleared up a lot of the rubbish and made sure that there were no fallen pebbles anywhere and thankfully we couldn't find anything so hopefully it's it's fine going forward but yeah I took that day off and then we had your baby shower on Saturday and then yesterday it was just like a really nice fall day and Mark was gonna be home most of the day so I just decided to stay home with him Mm -hmm. too and I made broth for the first time made this delicious wonton soup and we just like have been binge watching the sopranos Mm. we're almost Mm -hmm. done i think we have like three episodes left of the whole series but it was just nice to like do nothing i feel like i've just been doing so much since i've been back and i just need to have balance in my life (laughs) like an all or nothing time (laughs) yeah i was like it's fall i'm supposed to chill it's totally fine if i do that it's okay and there's another big week ahead we got witchy night and Mm -hmm. doing my full moon drumming journey here so I'm proud of myself I'm glad I took some time off just to kind of rest again and do me Mm -hmm. not do anybody else so it's been a good week really really what day are you doing the full moon Saturday okay Saturday 5 to 6 30 cool We have a pretty long episode, so we're not going to take too much of your time. Mm -hmm. We interviewed my doula. Yay. That will be at my birth. Um, She's awesome, and I really loved connecting with her, and I'm excited to share her with you guys. We could have talked forever and ever and ever, but we didn't. (laughs) It's long, though, so buckle up and enjoy. Enjoy. Just take a moment here to connect to our breath and connect to the earth that's holding us. Taking in some deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. Another deep breath in and exhale. One last big breath in and release. Like to take a moment here to invite in our higher selves, our ancestors, and all of our spirit guides and spirit team that wish to be here for this beautiful conversation today. Allow us to feel safe and open holding space for one another, holding compassion for one another. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And spirit baby can join too. Hey, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello, hello. So excited for this beautiful episode. I'd like to welcome our guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Hi, I'm Kelsey McEwen. (laughs) I live in the Cow Creek Valley of Southern Oregon. Mm. Um, I'm a mother and a birth doula and a circle keeper Mm. and I'm very passionate about women's health and women's space and ceremony 
and try to live my life very spirit led. Mm. I love that. My kind of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, start us from the beginning of Kelsey and just your whole life and how you came to where you are today. Okay, I was born here. I was born in Grants Pass, taken home to Azalea on Cow Creek, where I still, not the same home, but still live on the water of Cow Creek. Um, was raised by a kind of Christian mother. Um, we went to church when we were real young. Um And my dad was a little bit of a rebel in that. He never went to church with us. Um, He was a worker, graveyard worker, kind of a wild man, a drinker. Um, I have one sister and then an adopted brother. So pretty just basic life. Um, We lived in Alaska for a few short years in my really, really young childhood. I don't really remember it though I have went back to visit it, um, and then returned back here before I started school. So I went to the same school, um, through kindergarten through 12th, Glendale Uh Elementary, Glendale High School, graduated with people that I like started kindergarten with, um, class around like 20 people, very, very small. Like (laughs) I told my, um, current partner's parents that I lived in a small town and went to a small school and they were like, yeah, he, you know, he graduated with only like a hundred people. <laughs> I'm like, I graduated with like 20 and they're like, that's a village. <laughs> that's not a town. That's a village. Truly. So super, super small, small town, um, with m- more churches than any other thing. Right. All the churches, <laughs> like 12 churches. Wow. Um, And really tried to, so my parents got divorced when I was like 10 or 11. And uh, my mom stopped going to church. I think she didn't feel safe. Mm. She felt really judged by her congregation. And um, so that was, I I really searched for like community here. And that was something that was like easy in front of me was all the youth groups and all the, mm-hmm. all the churches. Um, I had a really good friend in school that was very active in the church and I went and really enjoyed myself, um, in many ways and always really like envied these, these people's like faith in it, this trust and this faith. And I wanted that and it just like never felt right. So I think my first kind of realization of, of, of that was being like 12 years old at an overnight Bible camp that I, I felt safe in. I was having fun in, but like I got pressured to like, Oh, now's the time. Accept Jesus Christ into your heart, like Mm -hmm. a whole room full of people and older kids. And and I was like, okay, like I'll, I'll do it. I'm ready. (laughs) And And just feeling like, like it was fake to me. Like I remember in the bunk beds that night and being like, I don't know if I'm, if it's not, if he doesn't want me or if it's like, what's going on? Are these people either fake or if I'm not good enough or like, it just didn't feel right. It never Mm -hmm. felt right. Um, and like I said, there was like no bad people. Like it was, they were all great people and I wanted it, but it just never set right. So, um, yeah, kind of. All I wanted to is make a joke. It's like, Jesus wouldn't enter you. He wouldn't. He, he wouldn't enter my body. So <laughs> the body of Christ would not. So, 
I kind of like threw around that like I wasn't, you know, good enough. Maybe there was like a lot of shame. Like I remember avoiding this like one pastor of of this specific church that I had spent some time in. Like if I saw him out and about, like at the grocery store, I would like try to avoid him because he'd be like, "Oh, we miss seeing you in church." And I just like had a few years in my teenage years that was like maybe you know something's wrong with me or I'm just too terrible of a person or I kind of threw that around. Um, but then I think I kind of came through to myself when I graduated high school and got off birth control, I was on birth control at like 11 years old because of my menstrual cycle. It was to regulate my menstrual cycle because I had such heavy bleeding and I wouldn't stop bleeding. And so my mother just like blind trusted a doctor and never took me for like hormone testing or anything like that. It was just like, Oh, put her on birth control. That's what we do at 11 years old. Yeah. And I think it's like had long-term health, hormone health issues for me because of that for the, you know, seven years that I was on birth control. And also I think it really affected me like knowing myself um, Mm -hmm. and connecting with myself in many, many ways. And like, and it, it really affected like who I met and who I like invited in, I think. Um, Especially during like a developmental age. For sure. For sure. When you're trying to like figure it all out, you know, and Mm -hmm. trying your cycle is so huge for your energy. So um, I just feel like that was like kind of this like mask of my life um, those years, like not knowing who I was, just kind of like almost like I was, well, like I was drugged. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a wake up. I had had a high school boyfriend for the whole entirety of my high school. And then he went into the military and I was just kind of like dropped like who, like a rebirth or a restart of life kind of, I guess, because um, my identity was so wrapped around him. Mm. So getting off birth control was like a huge one was like, oh, my gosh, like I don't even know who I am. I don't even never even felt some of these feelings like I'm awake, really. So that was that was a big one in life. Haven't been on it since. Um, and then I think the hugest like rebirth the biggest rebirth or awakening that I had was motherhood I um was pregnant at 20 years old and my initiation into motherhood was um full of many challenges I spent from 20 weeks on I was on bed rest so six Mm. of that was at home and then another 11 was in the hospital down in Medford Um, And it sounds like, it sounds like, ooh, it was like scary, but like, and it was, there was many, many factors of fear in it. But looking back, it was like just this initiation, like almost like a vision quest or something Mm. in my mind. Like, um, I remember thinking that I, I remember like relating to like a mother bird sitting on her egg because I was just waiting And that was when I really found like, oh, like it doesn't matter if it's church or Jesus, because I had kind of, I kind of um, pushed away like higher power. Like I thought it's all fake. It's all bullshit. So I was like more on the non-believing in anything kind of side. And that was like, that was when I started to pray for my baby from the health of my baby and was just like, I don't know. I was okay that I don't know if it's a certain um, God, or I, it's okay to not know. I think mm, I am mm-hmm. that because I always wanted like some definition or some like really clear answers. And that was just like, I'm just praying to spirit <laughs> that I don't even know 
what it is and that's okay. Like I really accepted that, like that I didn't know, but that I, I did come back to something that was like above me or bigger than me. And I think I took for granted that, you know, I'd seen my cousin have healthy pregnancies and babies. I'd never really heard anything like the story that I went through. Um, I was diagnosed at 20 weeks with something called an incompetent cervix, hmm. which is not a very nice medical term. Terrible name. No. They, and a lot of um, midwives and more caring providers will call it just early dilation, which is what it is. And oh, that's yeah. another term because I really, it really screwed with my head. The incompetent, like, am I incompetent as a mother? Like, that was mm-hmm. a whole nother thing to work through. Jesus. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I had taken for granted, like, okay, I'm pregnant and now I'll have a baby. And it was kind of like a slap in the face. Like, no, this is something that you don't take for granted. This is a miracle. This is bigger than that. This is beyond you. Um, and you need to just like sit down and really focus on what's important in life. Because I had been really hung up on all the things like that you do, like the nursery and what we all need and, mm. and the stroller and the car seat. And it's like, but wait a second, like, let's spiritually get you ready for this journey of motherhood. So I'm really grateful for that. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like, I think I'm a way better mother than I would have been if I had just had a healthy pregnancy and had not spent those months in the hospital. Um, yeah, it was really good for me. And it's, it's, um, eventually what led me to support birth, right? A lot of people that are like living their jobs they're, that they're passionate about, are they, there was some kind of open door and experience in their life that made them want to help people in that way. So that was definitely one of them for me. Um, and then I went on to, I've had three healthy children, three healthy mm. babies. Um, so it's kind of like the first the first pregnancy was like the diagnosis and, um, was like the scary part. But then after they know that you have went through this, they do like a preventative surgery that like makes it less risky. So I wasn't on bed rest with my next two at all. So nice. Um, Yeah. Which was really a blessing. Um, I think the next like chapter of my life kind of started when I got a divorce. Um, that was did, like did I, you get married before you had your first baby? Yes. Yes. I got we got married for insurance purposes, lovely USA. <sighs> I know. Um and then had a wedding when our when our son was like a toddler, but justice of the peace wedding, pregnant shotgun wedding. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so and I had a a good marriage for a while. Um, I think that I just like really grew in motherhood. Mm -hmm. It like I shed my skin. I was this brand new person for the first time in my life. I was like, I know exactly who I am. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is my purpose. I always knew I wanted to be a mom. Like I remember when we were getting ready to graduate high school and they asked like, where do you see yourself in 10 years or five years or whatever? And all these people having their answers and me feeling kind of like, I just want to be a mom. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to have kids. And at the time, it was almost like, like, like it wasn't enough, mm-hmm. you know, like that was like a silly dream or it was just like not a, not as big as some of these other people's. Mm-hmm. But like, I 
remember feeling like, well, I'm going to get my dream. I'm going to live that dream. And that's what I want. (laughs) And I am, you know, living the dream of motherhood. So, um, yeah, I think my, my ex-husband, my first two children's father, just like didn't really grow alongside me. Mm -hmm. Like I, I completely changed in a lot of ways. So I understand that that's like, a lot of it was me that I was like a whole different person um, because motherhood just changed me. Like everything about my life was different and, and was things were just like much more important to me. Um, so getting a divorce was another like awakening in my life. Um, and I embraced some things about myself that I didn't really feel like comfortable mm. to embrace with him. Mm. Like, like more of my kind of crunchy, natural, witchy side of me like there was always not that he ever like shamed me but there were always um just little like jokes or little things you know mm-hmm. so did you grow up with him he was older than me but yes okay. and his mother actually worked at the school um so I knew I knew that family pretty well and we were super young you know my my first son was born two weeks before I turned 21 yeah that's so that's yeah that's really young. Um, and we were married for seven years. We wow. had two two boys together. Yeah. So when I got a divorce, it was kind of like it was this new sense of freedom to be just like who I, you know, you. was. Yeah, completely was. Um, and I it led me to I started to like meet all these really cool women, these really like natural wild women like all at the same time they were just like coming to me my family owned a little the little hardware store here in glendale and i worked there for my whole my whole life pretty much and it was just like the universe was just like throwing these women at me and like they didn't know each other but they were all just like coming to me and so it sparked me holding women's circles in 2017 i started holding new moon women's circles in my community Mm. and it was a it was a big, a big deal. It was like the new witch coven in town, um, which is still, it still is a thing. Um, but it was like the best thing I ever did. Mm. I met so many wild women and it was just like, okay, I think that they need to meet each other and they need to get into space with each other. And I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never like facilitated anything. I was never like in like leadership or, or any kind of role like that. And so I felt after a couple of moons, I felt a little like over my head, in over my head with it, just as far as like regulating a flow or just like the facilitation part. But I knew that it was like really, really super good and needed to be kept going. So I found the Wild Woman Project and took their circle leader training course, oh, cool. um, which was all online. Yeah. And I actually got a scholarship to do it. And it was just like, it it was life changing. It really, really was. Um, And Circle just started to grow and better. And every month was different. And what kind of stuff do you do in the Wild Women Project? So the Wild Women Project, it's, it's, it's a global organization of women that are hosting women's circles, usually around the new moon. And they just gather the women, open a circle for sharing, talk about like the astrological charge of the new moon and what we might feel, how we might harness that, 
and then, you know, set intentions to go into the next, the next moon cycle of our lives. And it can be very, very different. Um, and it's like, I've used the tools that I learned at the circle training to like keep my circle going, but it's not always in alignment with what the wild woman project puts out every month. Um, and you can actually join and, and there's online circles and there are, um, just like content every month. Chris Maddox is the name of the founder and she's lovely, wonderful person. Um, lots of inspiration and you can find a a woman's circle near you. There's a huge, um, map directory to find all the, the wild woman circle leaders all over. So, um, at the time I think I was the first in Oregon, but now there's a few more. But it really helped. It really helped and was kind of like this, like, yeah, like, you're supposed to do this. Um, This is important. And I've been faced with a lot of criticism. And and people just are, people don't know. It's like, it's beyond what they've ever been, been to or heard of. So they paint these pictures in their heads of it being this, Mm -hmm. like, sex coven or you know like just like sacrificing baby land or I don't know but it's there's been multiple comments that it's just this thing and it's like man if you could only see like what beauty it is what beauty there is in it you know and Mm -hmm. there's definitely an element of spirituality but I try to really hold space for like a Christian person could sit here Mm -hmm. and feel welcome in this like it's really just a place that you can feel safe being vulnerable and you can open your heart and share what's on your heart. And most importantly, it's like a space for no advice. Like we're not trying to mm. show up and heal each other. Love that. We're just listening to each other and processing. So Circle has changed my life. It really, really has. Sometimes I'm too busy to do it every month. Um, and those months I'm like, whoa, I really needed it. Mm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And that was a process I worked through with myself too is that like, you're not just doing this for others. You need to allow yourself to sit in this space and to be held in this space. Um, I remember a very vivid circle. It was a Scorpio new moon, of course. <laughs> and I had had mediation. I was going through custody battle with my ex-husband. And I had had a mediation that just was like a shit show with him and his second wife like physically attacked me in the parking lot like it was a huge it was a nightmare of a it was a nightmare and I was like maybe I should text all all my sisters and tell them that I can't circle tonight this is just not gonna work out as I'm driving home from Roseburg and I was just like you know just see just like maybe that's exactly what you need and I was like struggling popping up I used to do it outside in my yard um I was like struggling popping up the canopy and I didn't have jars for the bath salts that we were going to take home and I just felt like how am I holding this space like why am I doing this I shouldn't be holding space for anybody else Mm -hmm. in this situation and like my sister showed up and helped me pop up the canopy someone showed up and was like I have extra jars for next time I'm like this for this time you didn't know it but it's actually for this time and it was just like really validating that was like okay like this is right you can be held by these people and you should do this regardless of your you know you don't have to just release perfectionism I guess Mm. was a big lesson in that and I still work with that with holding space for others it's like it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be heartfelt Mm -hmm. um yeah so circle circle is a huge part of my life um 
just keeping that space for people because so many people like myself really want that community. They want that faith in something. They want to be able to connect to something higher higher than themselves, but they don't find it in the, the spaces that are available to them. Um, and it's grown into so many different things. Like I hold space for moms, for blessing blessing circles when they're preparing to have babies. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite spaces to hold is for maidens who are coming of age and do period positivity circles. Oh, I love that. Mm. Super important space. Super, super important space. I try to do that once a year. Um, and that's like so healing my inner 11-year-old girl who was put on birth control (laughs) like to teach these girls about their cycles and their cyclical health has been like so healing for my cyclical health so needed oh my god yes wow about how many women join you a month um so it's it's been at at one point like pre-covid i was very open in my community i was like posting it and opening it and i learned quickly that that wasn't really the best thing to do um I would say it's so random, but like six to 12 in my close community now, it's just people I know and love that I know are safe and and that I trust. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was having it be kind of this open, anybody can come space. And I was doing that kind of at a like, I'll prove to you that this isn't like something that you think is so witchy or evil. I was really trying to be transparent and show people that it was really a good heartfelt space um but I had some people that you know the most important part of circle is you don't share anybody else's share Mm. when you leave Mm -hmm. um to keep it sacred it has to be you can share your own you can go out and say oh my gosh this is what I felt and this is what I said and but you can't share anybody else's and I had to really um stand that boundary and go and like tell people they weren't welcome back because they shared something with some with their husband who shared with somebody else's husband all the things. Mm-hmm. Small people's. town gossip. Yep. Mail. Yeah. So that was a lesson that uh, it's okay to not invite everyone. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's okay to just like follow your your gut on who is welcome and who isn't. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that I'm like an ugly person or not inviting or whatever. Um, yeah. Now I have a really good just like handful of sisters that have been coming for. Most of them have been coming for a really long time. Um, and I just did a motherhood circle in Grants Pass with my dear friend Val. She is a, a massage therapist down there and has a studio. And that was such a beautiful space. And I hadn't had circle in a while. It's just like hasn't really been aligning on the new moons. I don't know if I need to switch like maybe full moon circles. Um, I bleed on the full moon, ovulate on the new moon. So I feel more open to hold space on the mm-hmm. new moon. Cause totally. Like open but I don't know if there needs to be a shift because circle just doesn't get prioritized sometimes Mm -hmm. and it's like those months I really super super miss it um it's just so nurturing and so so healing for me um yeah and 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 beautiful and people have come that were like they didn't know what to expect and are like oh my gosh this is nothing like I've been nothing like this and this was so great and I feel so much better you know Mm -hmm. and you can take that energy into your life throughout Mm -hmm. the next yeah and then I guess um through circle I kind of got into birth work 
because I just knew so many people that were having babies. And I was like, I feel called to this, to this work. I was trying to empower people. I had my children naturally, um, with no pain medication as naturally as I could for this circumstance. And, Mm -hmm. and I just, you know, I was young and I just did whatever my doctor suggested or told me. But I remember with my first child, he, he said, um, why are you doing this? Wouldn't you, would, you wouldn't have a tooth pulled without Novocaine. And I was like, you're comparing this to a dental appointment. You're comparing my baby, this brand new human to a hole in my mouth, rotten tooth. Like I didn't, wow. yeah, that was just like, you don't understand. Like get out of here with your penis. <laughs> because, this is like, I knew that it was, I knew that I wanted to have Um, I wanted to feel it. I wanted to be connected and I knew that I could do it. Like I've always had a high pain tolerance and I guess some of it was stubbornness, but, um, so I wanted to like empower others, other women that they could do it. And that's kind of, yeah, it kind of initiated this, like, maybe I'll support birth. Maybe that's what I want to do is support is support women in birth. And then it's all just, I think that circle keeping has just like opened up all, all this, like how to support women and, totally. and space for women. Yeah. It was kind of the, the initiator in it all. Um, so I took a doula training. I, I met my lovely partner in 2018 and felt like, okay, I had, you know, cause I was a single mom. <clears throat> so how do you how do you like start a new job? How do you go to a training? How do you be on call for birth when you have little kids at home mm. with no childcare or you know my ex-husband hasn't always been um trustworthy to be relied on mm-hmm. to care for our children. So with a partner, you know, we moved in together and I felt like I had the support to take a doula training and start birth work. I think I started my first like in actually in September of 2018. So five, five years ago, I've been a doula and I just saw this little boy at a football game, the little boy that I was the first, actually he might've been the second. Now I can't remember. I think he was the first birth that I supported. And he, yeah. And he, she said, and I, you know, I didn't remember the date. I knew that he was born in September, but I didn't really remember the exact date. And she was like, yeah, he's five tomorrow. And I was just like, wow. oh, gosh, yeah. So it's like your he, birthday, too. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a birthday. It really did. And oh. it was like, like looked at me kind of like, who are you? So I was like, <laughs> like going to cry over it, you know. It's so sweet to see these doula babies growing up. Um, yeah, such a dream job. Um, holding space for women. It's just empowered me in so many ways in my life. I feel like, um, I took a little hiatus and had my own baby. Um, she's two and a half and that was like a huge, it's funny. My partner and I had kind of thrown around if we're going to have a baby, if we're going to have a baby and then COVID happened and we're like, well, this is not the time to have a baby. And then it was like, Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> You're pregnant. So, so many COVID babies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, what else was there to do? I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it was scary. I remember being so scared and being like, am I really bringing a human into the world right now in this fucked up world? Yeah. I have a good friend who, um, 
she just said, she's like, you know what? We need those humans. We need those, oh. those people that are going to change the world for us. And, and we need them to be raised by parents like you. And it's funny because I had heard her um, talk about like overpopulation and how it's like selfish to have kids. I'd heard her talk about that before. <laughs> so for her to say that to me, you know, whether wow. she was full of just being a good friend, I don't know. But it was like, yeah, it just kind of made me feel so much better. And I had just the best pregnancy supported by the best people supported by the most loving partner um it was another rebirth every time you have a baby you know you you shed layers of yourself and become a new person you really really do um and I really like who I've become in the last couple of years and um I think that my birth with mm-hmm. Scout is my daughter's name she, it so was cute. like it was so healing because I had been through the medical system with my boys and I'd done all these, these things that I was told to do. And I didn't really have like the autonomy. I didn't really use my voice and advocate for myself or even question. I just didn't question, mm-hmm. which so many of us don't mm-hmm. just are trusting and we just go through the system. And so this time I advocated for out of hospital birth and, um, You know, instead of I was I was supposed to get hormone shots of progesterone because I have the incompetent cervix. And so this time I advocated for like topical cream or suppository Mm. versus shots like just I really was educated this time. Yeah. And knew what I wanted and having this birth with like no IVs not strapped to any, um, you know, uh, contraction monitors. Yes. Like all the things I was in a bath. My partner caught the baby. There was no bright lights. There were no strangers. Like it felt so beautiful. I just want to talk about you being a birth worker and a doula and like how you see things and do things. We've already interviewed a doula on here, so we kind of know what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that everybody does it different and I kind of want to hear like your philosophy on everything. Also, Kelsey's my doula. I don't know if I said that already, <laughs> yeah. but I'm like very excited <laughs> about it. I chose you because I feel like we do align on a lot of things. And every time we've had a meeting together, I feel even more confident about having chosen you as my advocate and my person and Curtis's person, really like you're going to yeah. be his person a lot during this process. So yeah, thanks so much. I'm so honored to be your doula. Um, It's such a privilege to be invited into such an intimate space. Um, And I still get when people, you know, I still leaving a birth. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I want to like shout it from the mountaintop. (laughs) A lady just gave birth to a brand new life. Like it's almost like you go out into the world and you're like, people have no freaking clue. (laughs) <laughs> what miracles are happening <laughs> the world's just going doing its own thing yeah, still <laughs> yeah. I think it's just the best job it's just never especially gets like inside a house it's like my neighbors aren't gonna know that i just <laughs> pushed out a baby inside <laughs> right it, unless i don't get curtains and they're all gonna know that i <laughs> had a baby inside <laughs> I told Kurt last night, I'm like, we got to get some curtains in here so we're not, like, giving a free show soon. <laughs> so um, um, 
So I guess my philosophy on birth is that it should be held sacred no matter how or where you choose to birth. This is a transformation, a spiritual transformation, regardless of your belief systems. Um, you, it, It's the closest thing to God or goddess or creator or spirit that we see or witness here on earth. Um, you never get tired of seeing a birth ever. Um, I remember somebody asked me like, how do you not cry when the baby's born? And I'm like, I cry. (laughs) I'm holding emotional space. Like I don't ball, but like I get teary eyed a lot. Like Mm -hmm. even before the baby's born, like this is a very emotional space. So, um, all doulas are different, but I think that a huge one for me is that I hold a spiritual space. I encourage women to meditate on their dream birth every day. I encourage you to connect with your baby inside your belly every day. I encourage you to find some form of prayer, whatever that looks like to you, and to connect with nature and know that this, what you're about to do is ancient, ancient, and, and beyond this medical system that we have, that we're living in. Um, women have been birthing the babies for centuries. Um, and to connect with that power, that you're the only one that you need um, to do this. Your strength inside of you is the only one. And I think that the spiritual aspect is often underlooked, even by some doulas. Like, of course, you squeeze the hips. Of course, you say positive affirmations. But like, before I enter a birthing space, I pray. I pray. I call in my ancestors to guide me. I call in this baby's ancestors to protect this space. And I'm very like an intuitive birth keeper. I do not just go in and start like, let's do this and let's do this. I really just like try to feel the space, meet the mama where she's at, wherever that is. um, And just navigate that system like it can look so every birth it's so hard to be like what does a doula do because they do so many things like each birth is so unique and requires um just different aspects of support and care I think a big um misunderstanding is that a doula replaces the partner a lot of people are like I have a great supportive partner so I don't need a doula which that may be true but I think that Everybody could use a doula and a doula and a partner works perfect together because the partner knows the birthing mother the best, but a doula can really help him or her navigate that um, birth because they are experienced at birth and know, know the patterns and, and the, the just recognize behaviors, I guess. Um, yeah, so a doula just, you know, I guess it's informational support physical support emotional support and my and my thing is a huge one is spiritual support so I'm just wondering how those look different between like a home birth um like a birth center birth and then like a hospital birth like, yeah I feel like so your home- role is very different in all it is of those. it definitely is I had the trippiest experience one time I was supporting a home birth here in my community and <clears throat> I had I I left that home birth and went straight to, and I was there for like days at this home birth. And then I went, I left this home birth and went to a hospital birth and supported hospital birth. And it was like, 
holy moly, like just a whole different world, like so in my face at how different they are. Um, A hospital birth really, really requires protection Mm. and advocacy. Um, So if I have a mother that wants a natural birth in a hospital, my big thing is have a birth plan written up. Mm. Sometimes if the parents are comfortable with it, I'll hang a sign on the door that says, natural birth in process, do not offer medication. I will ask for it. Love that. Love that so yeah, much. Yeah. And that can irritate <laughs> providers or nurses, but I think it's important. Um, another thing in the hospital that I do is like how to make it cozy, the ambiance, mm-hmm. the lights, um, telling them to bring their own music, to bring their own pillow, to bring their own blanket, hanging up little birth affirmations all over because oxytocin is the hormone of birth we need it um it's the love making hormone and it is what makes us feel safe and you can't birth if you don't feel safe mm-hmm. and i think the hospital isn't always um a place that allows mother to be in that kind of oxytocin trance that labor land of her parasympathetic nervous system where she needs to be to birth you cannot be in your answering all these questions and meeting all these new people and bright lights and machines beeping. It's just not cohesive Cozy. with yeah. natural birth. Not cohesive with yeah, natural it's birth. It's unnatural to have it's that un- happening. Yes. Yes. And so um, I do feel strongly that hospital you can have natural birth in hospital. And I also like some doulas are like against people choosing or a hospital birth or they want, they want to try and sway people to have out of hospital birth. And I don't think that that's the way, um, I will always support hospital birth and I will always respect people's, um, decision to choose hospital birth. And if that's what makes them feel safe, then I'll try my best to, to help them get a natural birth in the hospital. I feel like, um, if anything, that's kind of like my strongest, like I have a little niche for that. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense that might sound um conceited but i've been super good at supporting women having i've i've witnessed so many labor and delivery nurses like feeling emotional and being like i haven't seen a a birth without an epidural in so long oh even the staff you're like changing (laughs) their lives too (laughs) right like showing them that it, it can really happen wow I think a doula is important, like, no matter what, but especially in a hospital. Like, I think that if you need, if your goal is natural, that you have to have somebody there advocating for you. Because in the moment when you're in pain, you might just say, like, yeah, fuck it. Or if you're scared, you might just say, yeah, fuck it. And your your partner can't always separate themselves from you either because they love you so much so you really need that third party to be like no this is our boundary this isn't what we want and if she's safe then we're gonna keep going yeah advocacy is huge in hospital birth and just navigating um everything that could come up the 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 timeline of hospital births and all the interventions that you might meet Mm -hmm. Uh, not saying that it's always that way there's some great providers that work in hospitals like I've witnessed something I've learned in birth work is that 
it's not always like, oh, you're safe with a mid, you're safe and respected with a midwife, yeah. but in hospital with an OB, you aren't. There, it's like a huge spectrum of care providers. Mm-hmm. And I've seen home birth midwives trying to rush a mama and, and, and pushing like fear based care on a mama. Um, that's rarer. But then I've seen hospital providers like sitting with a mom. I saw a, nurse midwife in a hospital do a forward leaning inversion, which is part of spinning baby's body work to try and get baby off the pelvis. I saw her, she was probably in her fifties, putting herself in this position to show the mom what, what she wanted to put the mom. It was just like mind blowing to me, mind blowing because so many other partners would have been like, your water's been broke for this many hours. We're starting Pitocin. We're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, all the things and here she was you know, head down, ass up, showing this mother, like, this is a trick we could try. So just to think, like, your provider matters so, so much. Yeah. Like, so, so much. And I think um, something that people don't know is that you can shop around mm. and you fire your provider at any time. I have a question about that, though. Like, isn't it true that you could work with a certain provider the whole time and then it comes to your birth and then they're off shift and then you don't have them? Yes, absolutely. That's a lot of what... Because that um, part is, I think... So when I was switching, I was going to go to the midwives in Ashland and somebody said, like, yeah, you could work with a midwife the whole time and then not have them. And that was really something that I did not yeah. want. Yeah, you want to know... you. It's so important to develop a relationship with your provider. Yeah. Because, uh, again, safety. You need to feel respected and heard and safe. You need to trust this person who's holding this space for you. So that I think is a huge um, disservice that we do. In, yeah, I in don't our- want Kyle walking in mid shift, <laughs> like, all right, let's go. <laughs> like, that's Who is- yeah. not what I want. Yeah. And it happens. It happens so much like with our just like health centers and mm-hmm. like, you can't choose a provider. Um, you, there's people who practice in the, and you still might not get them. But I think if you're so what's important is if you are choosing that, that you request to meet them all mm-hmm. and you have your top two that you want or something to recommend. And and you can you can fire your provider a day of in labor, too. Like you can do that. <laughs> I think people um don't know that they have all the power that they call all the shots in the room um, because there's such an authority factor that our yeah. medical have. They're such like, oh, they're here to help us. They know all, right? They know way better than we know. Um, but you're in charge. You have all the rights. You can decline all the policies. You can, yeah. It might not be easy. And that's where your doula can really super help you yeah. um, for yourself. We can't, we, can, we don't make decisions for you. And we don't speak like directly for you. But if you have a, this were a birth plan written up is super handy for a doula because we can advocate for you and your wants because you have it written up. Mm-hmm. So regardless of whatever's going on with you. Um, and there's a really good tool called Brains. I know you've heard it, Taylor, mm-hmm. but I'll sh- it's a framework to talk to providers. And this can go beyond birth. Anybody making decisions. It's just a framework to help you make informed decisions. So it's B, what are the benefits of this? that you're trying to do whatever intervention or decision you're trying to make me do medication. You're trying to make me take whatever, what are the risks? 
of this? What are the alternatives? What does my intuition tell me? And that will be the strongest mm-hmm. mother could use in her birth is her intuition, your gut feeling. There's women who will say something doesn't feel right. Or there's women who say, I think my water is about to break. I mean, the intuition of a birthing mother is like so fucking powerful. Um, and what if we do nothing? What, what, what happens if we do nothing? And then S, can we have some space? To t- can I or we have some space to talk things over and make our decision? So I like to have that printed out in bold hanging up on the wall <laughs> for mamas in a hospital for when they might be met with a decision to just help them remind them to ask questions. Yeah. Don't just mm-hmm. blindly follow what you're being told. Ask all the questions. You deserve informed consent. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, support in a home birth can look I think most importantly is just like making sure that the birthing mother feels comfortable with me in her home. So being like a humble guest, you know, not making too much noise, just being kind of like, and, and just reading like what needs to happen. Um, Meeting the mother where she's at. I'll never like stand over a mother and observe her. If she's down on her knees, I'm down on her level. If she's sitting, I'm sitting like, I'm just really a servant to the birthing person. Um, and all the things just reminding it can, it can be easier with the advocacy part of it, but, um, it, it's not like it's so much better or so much like, oh, I don't have anything to do or, mm-hmm. you know, it's still like, there's still needed. There's always so much support needed in birth. Um, oh, I feel like I have probably the best midwife I could in the valley but I still really do feel like I need you in that space for sure well doulas and midwives work together so well because midwives have so they have such a big big job um sometimes people will think that I'm a doula aspiring to be a midwife like certainly I want to be a midwife one day and I don't (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be a midwife I don't think I could ever be a midwife um they hold a huge, huge space. They have so much to observe and to do. And so I, and I've met a lot of midwives who are so happy when their clients have doulas because it's like, oh, they can really focus on what's so, so important, which is keeping you safe mm-hmm. and you're safe. Why a doula can make sure you get sips of water, can have hands on you, getting you comfortable, can be praying with you or giving you affirmations or all the things that a midwife, of course, wants to do but might not be able to cover it all. Um, And you do have a really good midwife, a really, really good midwife. Um, And sometimes the best thing a doula and a midwife could do is just to be quiet and to keep your hands to yourself and just to be there because birth doesn't always need um, hands on or noise. Sometimes just being, there was like some study with do it was, it was about the importance of doula care, but it was like, and I wish I knew better. I should have written some things down. But it was like when they put a woman who the laboring mother trusted and felt safe with, when they put her in her in the room, just like as a witness, she wasn't he or she, you know, men can be doulas, it's rare. But <clears throat> when the support person was just in their room witnessing, they had like, massively better results in in their outcomes and how they felt positive 
with mm-hmm. it just by being witnessed and observed by someone they trusted feels and know that was there for them. Mm-hmm. I so that. that's huge. That's huge, you know, to have someone that you feel safe um, with that know is going to just make sure your wishes are met and your voice is heard. And your heart is held in that space um, because birth is a mystery. And no matter how hard you plan for it, no matter how much you plan for it and educate yourself, a big part of it is surrendering to whatever mm-hmm. come up and to be prepared for the unexpected because it's always a mystery. It's yeah. always a mystery for sure. We're just going with the flow of it. Whatever happens is supposed to happen. Right. Yeah. Be prepared. Be prepared for your plans to, to change. I think that that's like, it's a good thing too, but people who like, you're very, you're very educated on, on birth and you know what you want. I think people who are just like, especially hospital birthing people who are just like, I'm just going to go with the flow. Whatever happens, happens. It's like, Ooh, that's a dangerous thing. Yeah. (laughs) dangerous thing to go into like you better know what could happen mm-hmm. uh, i say go with the flow but i know what i don't want and i know what i'll like fight for um but i know that i don't have control right and and you're not just like blindly trusting that everything will be okay if you don't make any decisions for yourself or educate yourself like you mm-hmm. are prepared and you know um about all the things um, and a really good provider that you trust. But, but I, I think the going with the flow, it can be dangerous in our medical system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. They will, that flow will lead you to so many interventions yeah. that are unnecessary. Um, the United States is like the, it has three times higher maternal death rates mm-hmm. than any developed country in the world. We spend wild three times more money on it. Like it's just proof that you can't throw money and modern medicine and interventions at birth and that we're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's not supposed to be medical unless you have no. something medical. Mm-hmm. I have a question um, that came up at my last midwife appointment. What is your opinion on like doing the strep test? Um, Since it is transient, like it can come mm-hmm. and go. Mm-hmm. Like I don't yeah, know what so, I want to do. Yeah, so I think um, that it's it can be you can be positive at the at the time of test testing, and be negative at birth, and you can be negative at the time of testing and be positive at birth. Um, it's really each person's decision. Um, and your provider might have an opinion on what she feels. She won't is- ever give me an opinion on anything. Uh-huh. She's just like, <laughs> here's all your information. And I'm like, well, what would you do? And she's like, you need to read this. And I'm not telling you what to do. And I'm like, just tell me. She's like, no. <laughs> Which I really, really, really appreciate. But also I'm like, I don't know what to choose. Um, There might be a good evidence-based birth podcast. That's exactly what she said. <laughs> I'm going to be the same way. I'm like, I don't want to do my. Um, I think that treating. So this is a big one in, in our system is like, we treat everything like it's an emergency, like, because this could happen. 
we're going to throw all these things at it. Like it's going to happen every single time. And that's kind of what group B strep has been, how, how it's been managed. I think trust your intuition on it. Look at the risk I of. Like, I don't need it. The test. Yes. Yeah. yeah you'll know. There's like, there's, um, yeah, she should be able to give you some information of like, if you don't have it, what would you, what would be the the red flags that you would look for after mm-hmm. birth, you know, monitoring. Yeah. Like I know like if you're in the hospital and they're giving you antibiotics for group because you were GBS positive, but you don't get the entire d- two giant liters or whatever that they want you to have, which is like can so f- like set you up bad yeah. for postpartum. Side note, um then they want to observe they want you to stay an extra 24 hours to Mm -hmm. observe baby. So that might be, you know, if you choose to not do it, it might be taking baby's vitals more often um, or an extra home visit from midwife or I'm not really sure what that all would look like, but I would say just educate yourself on like without it, what are the risks? There's some countries that don't even test for it Mm -hmm. because it can be so, you know, I think it's like 85% of women can have the group B strep streptococcus or whatever it is at any given time in their vaginal biome um yeah i think trust your intuition on that go back to brains (laughs) back to brains nobody can tell you what's best for you to do um there is an alternative if you didn't want to do antibiotics there's a hibiclins yeah, that's what she's that you that you can do like when you go into labor and then I think they suggest doing that every four hours and that doesn't screw up your gut biome and doesn't give you all those those fluids um, mm-hmm. if you wanted to do that mm-hmm. um, I have another question that one of my friends so we're very different she has had a lot of health issues and um, or were surrounding pregnancy and had difficult hospital births. And she was like, are you going to give your baby a bath right after? And I was like, no. And she's like, how long? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe even a month. I don't know. <laughs> so can you explain all of that for yeah. the listeners? Yeah. So your baby is not born dirty. If your baby has <laughs> a little bit of like blood or goop on them, you could take a warm washcloth and, and get the the gunk out of their hair but babies are born with sometimes with vernix on them which is like this cheesy substance it's super good for their skin so stripping that off of them can often cause really really dry skin and also their skin is part of their their microbiome that's building their gut health that's building their immune system from day one babies who are born vaginally are introduced to the mother's biome in her vagina. And that signals all this good bacteria on baby's skin that they should be introduced to. And then you're breastfeeding and you're building antibodies for your baby. So I just, your baby does not need a bath. It just doesn't need a bath. Like you'll know. I think I I always did like two weeks, I think with mine, um, because and a bath is fun. Like you taking a bath with your brand new baby is fun. But like 
they're not born dirty. They certainly do not need a bath in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to, if you feel like you need to give your baby a bath, do it at home. Mm-hmm. Don't strip them of all that good bacteria in 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 a place that's full of bad bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, "What do I'm you do with of- all the cheese?" I'm like, "You just rub it in. Rub it in. Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so good for them. It's so so good. For, it's good for you. I was mm-hmm. at a birth where the midwife and the grandma was like putting it on their. They oh. were the baby had a lot, and they were like rubbing it on their forehead for <laughs> wrinkles. It was really cute. The fountain of youth. And some babies are. What's that? The fountain of youth. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It is the fountain of youth. And some babies are born with a lot, and some babies are born with none. Mm-hmm. So it's not your baby might not have vernix. It's m- most likely going to be like a schmear on their butt crack and up their back. If they do have it. Um, Isn't that typically if they're like pretty late, they won't have as much? Yeah, that could be. That could be. But it's it's it can depend. Some late babies don't have any either. So I don't know like the science behind why some babies have a lot. Some babies don't. I had like one with none, one with a little bit and then one with probably just an average amount. Mm -hmm. Um. But they, yeah, they, you don't need to bathe your baby. It's just, it's just kind of an old, outdated practice. Mm-hmm. I heard. Um, do you guys know who Grandma Aggie is from the Takelma tribe? No. no. She's like one of the thirteen grandmothers, like the Council of Grandmothers, all over the world. She died recently, like a few years ago. But her her name was um, Agnes Pilgrim. Is that right, Baker Agnes Baker Pilgrim, Grandma Aggie? Anyways, I got to meet her and ask her some questions wow. before she passed and at this really cool birthday event that she had. And I asked her about like birth and how the their tribe birthed babies. And one of the sweetest traditions she said is that the grandma gets to give the baby the first bath oh. and it's it's at the first full moon after the baby was born but if the baby was born like right at a full moon then they would wait till the next full moon wow i just thought that was so so sweet grandma's gonna be living with you that'd be so sweet (laughs) yeah oh yeah and actually it kind of sparked this memory of when i was this brand new 20 year old mom giving my first baby her his bath and i called my mom and was like, can you come over oh. and help me? I was like, I just needed support. Oh. <laughs> I'm just scared of it. But um, actually, the best way to give your baby a bath is to get in the bath with them. Mm-hmm. I think you know you don't need the special bath seats. Just get them in the bath with you. It'll be lovely. Throw some herbs in there. But yeah, bathing a baby and and talking about that um, microbiome and being exposing baby to all the good bacteria of its mother's body. Babies who are born cesarean don't receive that mm-hmm. that good bacteria. And so there's something called vaginal seeding that you can request, which is putting a cloth in the mother's vagina during the cesarean, like a small piece of gauze or a small cotton cloth, and then wiping the baby down with it. Wow. And some people think that that's like very radical, um, but it's a simple way to sense. expose them. It makes sense. It makes sense. It's so funny. I was telling someone... Not that long ago. Um, and I love to share like all the fun facts or the radical facts of of birth and motherhood. And I was telling them about like we're supposed to babies are supposed to be intri- – because everyone's so afraid to poop during labor. That's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're so afraid. And so my like comeback to that is like your baby is supposed to be exposed to 
little bit of your fecal matter. It, it signals their microbiome mm. to, to start. And, and this person was like, oh, my God, Kelsey, did you really just say, like, we're supposed to shit on our baby? <laughs> yeah, I did. They're like, we're in public and you're talking about how we're supposed to shit on our baby? It's like, yeah, everything is is for a reason. You know, it's, it's definitely proven that babies who are born vaginally have a a more active microbiome that starts their immune system from day one versus babies who aren't who aren't exposed to it via cesarean. Mm-hmm. So um, I've had skin issues my whole life and was a C-section formula baby. So yeah, interesting. Checks out. Yeah, I have yeah. a weird question. If I you are scheduled, I don't know why this just came up, but like if you're scheduled for a C-section. I just put this together the other day. Like you obviously, if you've had a C-section, you still have to, you still bleeding after because your placenta has still detached from your uterus. Right. But like if you're scheduled for a C-section, you probably don't dilate at all at any point. Do you, or does your body like, since the baby is coming out, do you start to dilate at all while you're, if you're in labor, when you go, when you have a cesarean, then you could be dilating before then, but just schedule cesarean more than likely you're not. I mean, you can be dilated for to two or three or whatever for weeks mm-hmm. walking around, not in active labor at all. So it really just depend on the person, but, um, but they don't like dilate you before a cesarean. Yeah. They, I don't know why yeah. I that. And yeah. then um, like, can we talk about, regulate like babies can't regulate their own body temperature and then i've seen a lot of people say don't put hats on yeah yeah the whole the there's some cute saying that's like no hatting no padding no chatting so that's like when your baby is born they don't need a hat they're not losing a ton of heat out of their head and the mom skin to skin on mom's chest is the best warming apparatus possible in fact mother controls baby's temperature until they can control their own for like months Mm. so being skin to skin with your baby is how you keep them warm and a hat can really i mean if you feel the need to have a hat it's not the hugest deal but we're designed to like all the all the flow of hormones after we have our baby set us up for good breastfeeding, set us up for those uterine arteries to close down. There's just a hormonal flow after you have your baby that's necessary. And smelling them mm. really supports that hormonal flow. So putting this hat, this synthetic fabric hat on them can disrupt that hormonal flow. So even even like um, women who are experiencing some pain after birth, like with a fundal massage or maybe during their vaginal exam or if they tore and they're having some pain I'll often be like smell your baby because yeah. it'll give you that like boost of oxytocin that you that you need and make you feel high you know I mean you'll be high you have a natural birth you'll be so high but um and then no so no hatting no padding sometimes nurses and providers just want to get their hands on that baby they just want to it's just like and I get it like I love new babies too but we don't need to to rub down a baby mm-hmm. when it's born. Um, if a baby is like ta- like needing some time to come into themselves and to take that first big breath and make that first big cry, a mother could rub the baby's back. Um, 
I just feel like if it's not medically needed, then there should be no other hands on your baby. Yeah. Like your provider is going to come in and listen to baby's heart. But we don't need like the nurse doesn't need to be wiping down with a towel. They certainly don't need to be like um, hitting the baby's feet to wake it up. There's just like a lot of things that we've been doing forever that just aren't gentle and un- and completely unnecessary. And then the chatting yeah. again. <laughs> There's some nurses who just want to be like, oh, look, mm-hmm. you know, she's so, she, and it's just like, face. shut <laughs> up, just shut up. It's just not the time. It's yeah. just, this should be a moment of quiet and, and solitude. It shouldn't be even, even being like, you did it. Good job. Like that can all be said after these parents meet mm-hmm. their brand new baby and, and just give them this moment. It should be held sacred. So sometimes, um, I've seen people like request that a little song is played right when the baby's born and everyone is quiet during that little song. Oh, I like that. Uh, We're going to have yeah. to tell my mom to shut up for a second. <laughs> she's going to be really excited. Yeah, of course. And of we're going to be like, give us a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, it should be, it should be like, it should be a moment of, of quiet. Like, like someone's praying, like someone was just born. Um, there should definitely not be small talk. Mm-hmm. Or, or even just, like, necessary encouragement or cheering on. Just it needs to be held really, really sacred. And that's even more important in a hospital where these providers are often just not really holding that sacred space, mm-hmm. I guess. They're, and, they're, and, and I'm not trying to, like, talk bad about all hospital yeah. providers or saying that they're doing anything wrong. I think it's just, like, not really thought fun. of. There's just, there's just simple things we could do that would make it so much more... Uh, meaningful and sacred for the for the parents and that that's one of them I think is the no chatting no small talk there's nothing that really needs to be said afterwards let's give them this moment um give baby a moment to just like give baby a moment that's right and that really which just went through this wild experience man how long of the baby so like baby comes out and it takes them a second to like come into their body like how long after would it start to be a worry like if the baby didn't start like crying so your provider will purple your provider will do an apgar score which is which is observing multiple things in baby one of them is breathing effort um and they do that at one minute after birth and then again at three minutes after birth um and it it some babies need a little bit of resuscitation and that could be just as easy as like rubbing their back vigorously or suctioning out their nose or mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, a midwife or a, a OB will know within a few minutes if baby needs more help than that, I would say. It would happen pretty fast. And each provider is different in their comfort level on that too, I will say. Some midwives are more hands-off and will give baby a little bit um, more time there. But it definitely shouldn't be long. Yeah. Like you definitely want baby to be breathing. Yeah. You know, even if not crying, breathing, showing some tone, showing some good color. Mm-hmm. Those are all the things. Breathing efforts. Um, babies are often like sneezing and coughing right after birth, and that helps them get rid of all that that gunk in their lungs mm-hmm. as they transition from being underwater to to out in the oxygenated world. So weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember you said something about that it might be just like an old-fashioned thing but if you're bleed i think you said bleeding too much you could bite on your cord 
<laughs> on your placenta cord and it'll like stop the bleeding. Is that what you said? That's what I said. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun fact. I think that's when Curtis fact. turned gray and was oh, like, oh, I'm going to walk away. Poor Curtis. Yeah. I know, I know. Um, I need to sometimes think that, like, some people are sensitive to things. I I'm love just, that like, shit, but, you know. I'm so into it. Um, so, like, what did we do before we had our modical, modern medical system? Um, the wise women knew how to birth babies, and they knew how to stop bleeding. Um, now, often, we're given just routine Pitocin. Again, because this could happen, we're going to treat it like it's going to happen every time, and we are going to avoid all these emergencies and all the things that we do. But um, if a woman is birthing, and she delivers her placenta, and there is and blood is normal in birth, but if there's like a lot of blood, like gushing blood that's not stopping that is alarming. She could take a bite of her placenta or a chunk of her placenta and tuck it in her cheek, mm -hmm. side of her mouth in her cheek, and or if the placenta wasn't delivered already, then this would be your better option of chewing or biting on the umbilical cord. And that is a hormone signal of oxytocin down into your uterus to clamp down those arteries. That is so hardcore. It's, wow. it's so hardcore. Her um, bodies are so cool. So yeah, I know. So amazing. So amazing. I tell that to people who have like anxiety about birthing on the side of the road, maybe like if they're, oh, yeah. if they have a long way to go to their birthplace, like, Smart. Hey, this is a cool. And I just try to tell everybody all the cool things that women's bodies can do. Like mm -hmm. that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome that we can do that. So yeah. Another fun fact that people, like I've had a dad be like, I can't get the image of my wife chewing on her umbilical cord out of <laughs> birth is so primal like yeah. everything yeah, sure. that's possible that I mean I get pretty grossed out about things and I used to not want a baby and like all of it really freaked me out like medical things really freak me out and so birthing it it feels freaky but I got the urge now I want a baby and just like it, it you know watched all these videos and I was like this is actually really fucking cool and really empowering and all all those old ways of how we used to do things like I just as you were talking about like the breathing I just watched a birth video the other day just scrolling on Instagram and the mother was birthing in the tub and the baby came I out think this is the video that I was thinking of when I just yeah well yeah. and like the baby's purple and like not like you, the eyes are open but not making noise and dad's like is is the baby okay? Is the baby and she okay? Was like and she's sucking like sucking the stuff out of yeah. Its mouth? She's like, yeah. baby's fine. With baby's fine. And she just like, yeah, pulled like sucked right out of the nose and like spit yep. it out. And I mean that she was so calm. Yeah, she was like, baby's fine. You're, it's all good. Like it's totally fine. That was yeah. and kept doing video. that. I was like, whoa. And then I started crying. Yeah, and then the baby was fine. I was like, that's so crazy. Like, how, would I do that? Like, would I get grossed out by doing that? I don't know. Like, when you're in that moment, yeah, it's just like moms licking their their baby's heads. It's like we are yeah. fucking animals, we and, are. and our instincts to protect this child that just came from inside of us. She seems like so a pro, wild. though. There was no way that was her first. That was crazy to watch. True. She was like, crazy. she was silent when she pushed that baby out and then was yeah. just like so chill. I'm like, damn. Hey, magic, damn, girl. Magic. Sometimes 
Yeah, I've seen some really silent birthers that I've even had to like um, question myself as a doula because <laughs> I'm like, I like I I often will try to encourage women to make noise because they might that might feel very vulnerable. No one else yeah. is making noise. It might be like, especially in a hospital birth, mm-hmm. it might feel really weird to start making noises. But like some women just birth silent. I got full like ego, and when I had my last baby, I was like. I'm going to be those serene, calm, quiet birthers <laughs> oh, that you see in these beautiful videos. And I was fucking not. I cannot off. wait to just like not give a fuck and just scream as loud as I want. Yeah. I've had so many visions of Taylor's birthing experience and just like her face. And I think like you will make a lot of noise, but I also think you're going to have those moments. I think you're going to surprise calm. yourself. I think so. Um, but I did wake up screaming the other night, so I think I need to go like yell on top of a mountain or something because I'm ready to yell. <laughs> Everybody talks about like when the baby's born, the mother like loses a lot of heat, and that's why you want to eat these like warming foods and stuff. So, why is every postpartum mom so sweaty if they're, <laughs> if they're losing all of their heat? <laughs> Yeah, that's a, the sweating, you know, being sweaty doesn't necessarily equate to like they are super hot and they might even feel like hot, like flush, you know, out externally. Mm-hmm. But like in traditional Chinese medicine, you're like the the act of growing a child in your womb is like keeping your fire. Mm-hmm. Like they believe that like every time you menstruate, you lose like some of your I think it's pitta. Yes, mm-hmm. that's the fu- the hot, yeah. And that it's important to stay warm during that time. And so when you're when you're growing a baby and you have and you have you give birth, you're losing like a ton of that life force, mm. that fire inside. Um and there is a lot of like the element of fire that is very present in birth. Mm-hmm. And so just practicing like war- staying warm, like warm feet, like if you have cold feet during labor, you might not have like optimal blood flow in your womb. So keeping your feet warm during birth and during postpartum, keeping yourself warm, eating warm foods, like they say to avoid like raw cold foods for digestion because they're harder to digest. And then warming practices of like warm oil massages or yoni steaming or the closing of the bones, like wrapping or binding um, and staying warm, just staying warm, like energetically and physically is what brings optimal healing in postpartum. And I, I'm right there on the postpartum sweaty. I'm a sweaty person in general. Same. I just can't imagine oh. being more sweaty than I already have been in pregnancy. But It'll all my friends are just wet all the time. Yeah. And so I'm like, I, they're going to be pissed at work when I come back and I'm even sweatier than I have been. I just weaned my toddler from breastfeeding and I was like, oh, I finally will sleep through the night because she's sleeping through the night. Oh my gosh. I was waking up. I was like, menopause i was waking up in like a puddle of my own sweat i felt like i was on fire like oh, oh gosh. my gosh it's doubling mm-hmm. out but now at two months but oh my gosh um you said vaginal steaming we talked to one of our last guests about that what are some good herbs that um you would use in a postpartum steam so, so gentle herbs red raspberry leaf nettle 
Uh, lemon balm is a good one. Motherwort is to a small amount. Mm-hmm. Um, lavender. What if you took all that and you also did a tea? Do you do that mm-hmm. sometimes? Yeah, you wouldn't. You would avoid. You would probably avoid like anything in the mint family. So lemon balm or sage. If you're breastfeeding, those can be drying. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So you want like gentle moisturizing herbs, but red raspberry leaf, nettle, oat straw. Those are like mm-hmm. my favorite herbal infusions for pregnancy and motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, red raspberry leaf is like a uterine tonic, yeah. so it helps the uterus. Nettles are just super, super good for building blood back for your iron levels. Um, and then oat straw is like a calming, gentle, nervine herb. So it's just like really, really nourishing. I'll like mix them, but then I'll get sick of like that flavor. So I'll do like herbal infusions of like just one, uh, you know, one herb one day, one herb one day, one herb next day to kind of change it up and same old, you know. How many steams do you recommend after birth? And <clears throat> so how that's, many days after? So how long after your birth is really dependent on your bleeding. So your your post-birth bleeding is called lochia. Oh. And you feed your lochia until it's like not really heavy and red. When it starts to go like pink and get lighter, then you can start. If you don't have any signs of infection, if you didn't um, cesarean, you know, belly birth moms, they need to wait a little bit longer. Um, There's a lot of factors, like if your vitals are fine. If you feel super duper depleted, it might not be best for you. So there's like many things that I would read before um, starting, but it can be like three to five days after, depending on your bleeding, if you feel, if you feel good for it. Again, I really lean into that mom's intuition too. Like, does this seem like this would feel good and be good for you? Um, and then traditional, like yoni steaming in like Mayan culture is sometimes 30 days. You sit every day for 10 minutes for 30 days. I can think, I sometimes think that that's like too much. Mm Mm-hmm. Just for a woman to even have to do the same thing for 30 days. You know? <laughs> yeah. Especially with so a like, new baby. Yeah, 10, 10 days, 15 days, what a week. But even just a couple of steams can be super, super good just for that warming aspect. And it feels super relaxing. Um, it stimulates your vagus nerve. So everything in your nervous system is regulated. It's just a really, really good healing practice. And if you have, if you're healing tissues from a tear or um, stitches mm-hmm. or anything like that, then it's extra, extra good. Oh. You might wait a okay. until it's um, not so fresh, but then it's really good to support tissue healing, the herbs. If I was feeling up to having some people around... By the time I was going to do my steam, like Amber or my my mom will be there. Like, would you, could you bring extra to do? Yeah, I do a little steam set. That would be so beautiful. Yeah, let me know on that. So I have one really nice stool and then I have a couple of chairs that I set steams too. So for sure. I have a question. What day do you think I'm going to go into labor? What's your, (laughs) what's your guess? I'm going to put, I'll put you on the, um, we have a whole guests thing yeah. <laughs> calendar. So the full moon is near your. It's on my birthday and it's on the 28th is the full moon. And then the new moon is November 13th. 
Curtis picked the 13th. Uh, my due uh-huh. date's the 5th of November. I'm going to say oh, the 11th, an 11-11 baby. That's what I said, too, and so did really? Allison, which we're really? both going to be there. <laughs> oh, so everyone there. <laughs> Your support team <laughs> is all guessing the 11th. I'll take it. I like it. Sounds good. <laughs> what a cool birthday to have. 11, uh-huh. 11, yeah. 23. Mm-hmm. Sweet. For sure. Uh, what's the longest birth that you have attended? <sighs> Probably. Well, I went home and came back for, um, so probably in the 40 hours. Yeah, pretty long. Up, Yeah, pretty long. All in one stretch is just like 12 hours. But like, how long is like active labor typically? Not necessarily 12 hours, right? It can be so different. If active labor is like, if... Usually long active labor is like a positioning, you know, not the ideal position of baby. So there's lots of things that you can do to get baby in a better position. And also um, something that I've observed as a doula is sometimes active labor that's lasting a long time is something the mom's holding like Mm -hmm. a fear Mm. and the energetic of just letting her find some kind of release can bring baby just like that like I had a mom who was I could just feel that there was something that she was holding like there was just this underline of some tension Mm -hmm. she was doing all the things she was relaxing her jaw she was opening her voice she was doing all the things but I could just like feel some kind of hesitation or fear or something and we I helped her to the bathroom and I was just like is there something that you're, are you afraid or do you feel afraid or is there something that it feels scary to you? And she's just like, I'm so afraid to be a mom. She just like huge release, this huge, huge cry. And then her baby was born like two minutes later. Wow. <laughs> like her body was just holding on. Like I'm scared. I'm scared. Not necessarily of this birth, but I'm scared of being a mom. So energetic, you know, your body and, and your spirit and your energy is like huge. They go hand in hand. So somebody with a tilted uterus can still give natural birth, right? Yeah. Yeah. They like my sister was in labor for a long time and the baby was stuck. And then they like everybody freaked out and made this like huge, really terrifying thing out of it. And they're like, the baby's stuck in the like in your vaginal canal. And then had an emergency c-section and of course a lot of times when people go to the hospital they're like thank god i was there Mm. or i would have never been able to have my baby and i'm like i don't i think you probably could have just you could have yeah yeah for sure that's a that's a story i hear a lot and of course i don't ever like speak to it because that's not really a good thing to do to someone's personal story yeah um, when they're like, oh, home- that's great that you support home birth. I could have never, mm-hmm. I was in labor for this long and my baby's cord was wrapped around their neck and thank goodness I was at a hospital because they would have died at home. Mm-hmm. And it's like, actually, <laughs> if you would have been left alone, um, to birth naturally, then all these interventions wouldn't have been thrown at you. And a nuchal cord is like one in three. It is not an emergency, mm-hmm. but the cord around but, the neck. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, see that in all those natural videos. Yeah. They just literally put their finger in between it and pop it off. Get it out. Yeah. It's not an emergency, but you can't you people have their stories and um and they have felt, you know, they make 
they they process and heal mm-hmm. their stories in their own ways. So it doesn't always feel right to like speak to it. Yeah. Um, most of the time, the interventions that are thrown at women in labor is snowball effect that gets you right to cesarean. Yeah. yeah. And it's, what did they do? Did they try to move positions? Did they get baby? Did they get mama up off her back on four legs? Yeah. Did they do, try to do some positioning? Like. Mm-hmm. Providers like C-sections. <laughs> mm-hmm. They they make more money. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, I watched yeah. the video and that was so scary. And I try not to have any fear around birth in whatever way it comes. My baby comes here. But I just really don't want to have to do that. Like, yeah. I really, really don't. And I trust my body. I really feel confident. Yeah. And... You know, my mom and sister both had C-sections, and so they're trying to be supportive, but I think that they're, you know, scared for me Mm -hmm. because I don't think they understand. I don't think they have as much information as I have and have Mm -hmm. talked to as many people. And so I think it'll be cool to kind of prove it, too, that, like, we all are capable Yes. My mom doesn't even know why she had to have a C-section, like... Oh, wow. She was just 20 and on an army base, which I've heard all the horror stories of uh, like army base hospitals. And it was a botched job as well. And it's like, so she, I, cause I'm trying to, you know, figure out what was going on with her to see like maybe if that is something that would happen with me, but she doesn't even know why she had to have one. Well, and then when she That's did wh- have her V back, the doctor didn't wash his hands and she was septic and almost oh died with my, my sister. Oh my God. Yikes. So I'm like, my partner shared a terrifying story about like some tool was left in a woman <gasps> after carrying for like months. It was horrific. Yeah. Hor- <sighs> like it was like a large tool. Not that any tool should be left in a fucking woman, I but I mean, I'm that- sure it happens in surgery all the time, Same. but. Section is no joke. It's not the easy way out. I no. know that. It's layers of of tissue and um, huge recovery, and yeah. it can be really, 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 really um, harming for a mother's postpartum healing. Yeah. It can be really yeah. hard. I think the healing part of it is what is scariest to me because you, mm-hmm. it's already such a big transition into this next step, and then it's like. And then you had surgery and people don't say yeah. like, like, oh, I just had a C-section. I'm like, that's major surgery. Yeah. And everybody's just like, oh, no big deal. And I think it should be made a little bit of a bigger deal because it For is sure. so intense. For sure. Also, I just want to speak to like, if you do have to have a cesarean, you can request a gentle birth still. You can request a clear drape so you can see. You can request to be gloved and to lift baby from your belly to your chest you can demand that no one is small talking or chatting in the room you can have your music played you certainly should have your support system with you yeah requesting that it's still being held as sacred is is something that you can do and that you should do like your your surgeon and your nurses shouldn't be just like talking about what they had for lunch that day like you know it's it's should be held. That pisses me off at the dentist. I can't imagine <laughs> during a C-section. Like, right, right. 
Um, okay. So if somebody does have to go that route, like what are some postpartum things you do recommend as for healing? For cesarean healing, Mm -hmm. rest, 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 processing their birth, um, as to why it went that way, having so much support, um, not being afraid to like touch your scar or to look at your, Mm -hmm. um, a big one that I've noticed with people, a friend actually told me this too, but that um, they she was expecting stitches, like cloth stitches, and she had staples instead. And seeing like the metal in her body like freaked her the fuck out. So being prepared, asking like what it's going to be like um, to know. Is that so you common? I think so. Yeah, it wasn't an emergency okay. cesarean. So I think I think that. I think maybe every provider is different. Um, I've only supported one cesarean birth, um, which I'm happy about that I haven't had to, you know, see women go that route very often. But um, having people that you can stay in bed, having people bring you food and, and resting. And then also, like, once you have your, like, once your stitches are out or your staples are out, like massaging and touching mm-hmm. that scar and stimulating that scar so you don't lose mm-hmm. those nerve endings is a big part. It's painful to even just walk around and stuff. For sure. For sh- it's got to be. I mean, it, like you said, it's major surgery. There's like seven layers that they cut through. It's huge, huge surgery. Mm-hmm. So um, I think anytime a woman has birth, the best thing is rest. Yeah. Stay in bed. You know, the... The at least two weeks, a month, the 40 days. I love the 40 days um, mm-hmm. postpartum plan. Ha- uh, having your support, not being afraid to ask for yeah. support. Like, I think we're so like, oh, we don't need help. Women are really Women, uh, yeah. struggle with receiving. <clears throat> but being, allowing people to bring you meals, setting up meal trains, like all that is is huge. And then making sure that you're taking those prenatal vitamins still afterwards and, and hydrating and eating healthy and, and taking care of yourself. Like put your health first because your baby needs you to be healthy. I love hearing you say that. Yeah. Any last little pieces of wisdom, anything. Your best friend in labor and pregnancy and birth is trust, trusting your body, trusting your baby, um, trusting that Mm -hmm. you can do it. And then your worst your enemy, your biggest enemy would be fear. Yeah. 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 Those two. Cool. It's important to keep in mind. I also sure. love somebody always said what I, the birth that you have is the birth that you need to make you mm. like the mother you're supposed the mother. to be. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Or like each, each child's birth experience kind of gives you the tools to mother that child. Right. Mm-hmm. Like each Love. the journey of that birth kind of gives you the wisdom or or what you need for to raise that child. I like wow. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we Dad. forget that it's not about us. Like it really is about the baby. Um, for the sure. Whole experience is their yeah, story. They play a role in it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Including conception, which is the journey I'm on. <laughs> it's their story so not mine <laughs> yeah it's kind of yours too um so we're gonna pull a card really quick I, great what deck do you box want? is staring at me okay i love that deck. it's called the sacred medicine oracle okay 
Um, I'm gonna take a minute to kind of infuse my energy into these, and then I'll have you tell me when to stop when I'm shuffling. Oh, okay. 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 Now tell me when. Stop. Oh, beautiful. So the one on the bottom was soul retrieval, but the one that I pulled is kin, family, which, I mean, we talk about family the whole time. <laughs> Before you came here, you were connected to other star beings who resonate and vibrate at a similar level. They were your soul family, and you chose to separate when you came to Earth so that you could learn what you needed to know. It's now time for reconnection and you feel a surge in your heart and remembering in your bones to call these beings into your life so you may be in a relationship together. This soul family is close and you're ready to be surrounded by those who feel like home. Trust that the new connection you're making are lifelong ties and your closest kin has arrived. Mm. Invite a deeper sense of love commitment and soul remembering into your life it is the time for meaningful connections beauty and community to touch you perhaps you've outgrown certain relationships or experienced friendships falling away this card confirms that all is well and that you have experienced and what you have experienced has been necessary for your soul to grow and learn and then it has a sacred ceremony Sorry, I don't have that much lung space. <laughs> um, sink into your heart center and activate the vibration of love. Reach your left arm out to the side of your body and then do the same with your right arm and feel the energy of unconditional love flowing from your heart into your fingertips. Your hands begin to pulse, attracting your kin to you. They energetically join you in a circle, and you see, feel, and sense each other. You remember the depth of your connection and the relationship that you're meant to share, and they now enter your life with ease. Beautiful. Healing affirmation. I welcome deep kin connection into my life with open arms, and I'm ready to engage in soul family love. Damn, that's such a good card right now. That's good. My eyeballs are... Uh, water <laughs> <laughs> should i read this other one or yeah do we, i okay. feel like it's it's a part of what it says soul retrieval wholeness there are moments in life when we break where trauma gathers and it seems as if we'll never feel whole again this is an inevitable part of life and sharing of our soul allows us to drop down to feel the depth of our humanity this card asks you to call to mind an event that occurred in your life when a part of you split off to protect you from an extent of pain. That moment is calling out to be reclaimed and to be seen and held with tenderness. I like this too. Take a moment to remember. It might come to you in a vision, a body sensation, or an auditory message. You now can welcome this fragment home. Please know that your guides and ancestors are here. Owl is guarding your space and the missing pieces come back in a healed form. This fragment piece, this fragmented piece moves back from the ethers through a stream of divine cosmic light. 
For all of creation holds a vision for you to be whole. As it enters your space, it feels like a breath of fresh air, a bright spark of expansive energy entering your body. Take a moment to notice where it settles and then add your breath to it, to root it within you. Breaking apart always allows for the possibility of light to enter, making you even stronger at the places where you've healed. Mm. Oh, I'm sweating. (laughs) (laughs) Those were lovely. They're amazing. The affirmation, as I welcome back the parts of myself that have split off, I surround them with deep care. Love it. Beautiful. What amazing deck. Mm -hmm. I love it. Thanks for pulling those beautiful cards for us. That felt very appropriate for mm-hmm. birth and I agree. all of that. Then I was nervous reading. And you did great. It was making me sweat. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we have two questions for you before you run off and enjoy your life and children. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll let Amber go first. Um, our first question is, what is something that you do for yourself uh in the realm of self-care that you just can't live without? <sighs> Probably outdoor baths. I take a, a bath in my garden under the stars at least. I want to do that. Um, um, baths in general. So I, I if yeah. I can't get in the outdoor bath, a hot bath is my self-care for sure. Mm-hmm. It has been for a long, long time. Um. And then I would say yoni steaming too would be yeah. mm-hmm. be in that too, but a bath is is my jam for sure. <laughs> and it's a dream of mine to have an outdoor bath. Same. Like we have a swim spa, but my husband doesn't get that it's just not the same for me. Like yeah. <laughs> I need to be in the garden and pouring my salts and herbs in it and <laughs> can't do that swim no, spa. No, I'll mess it up. <laughs> um okay, if you could tell your younger self one thing what would it be and that could be your younger self when you're really young or all the way up to yesterday that's a deep question um gotcha favorite (laughs) (laughs) I guess that I would tell my younger self when I was like searching for some faith or community I would tell her that it's okay to not know um and it's okay to not feel what you whatever seems to be feeling that you'll find your way that you'll find your belief system you'll make your belief system and that it'll feel right and that you're nothing's wrong with you that you're not a terrible sinner that jesus won't enter (laughs) 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 you'll you'll get there trust and to not to not um push it away i guess just because you don't have understanding about it and that you'll help a lot of people spiritually one day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay. I love that one. Me too. So good. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your time and love. You are you are needed in the world. You're doing big, beautiful things for yourself and for others and just so grateful for your energy. And we'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. It'll be so exciting. We're going to, um, you can hang out if you don't have anything else to do after the appointment. We're going to just like chill and make a bunch of freezer meals. So if you want to like hang with the girls. Yeah. You're welcome too. Awesome. I'd love that. 
cool. I can't mm-hmm. wait. Okay. Um, enjoy the weather. It's yeah. so nice. Yeah. What a weather. Um, pull some cards and journal. Do some internal reflection. Mm-hmm. I would say get barefoot out in this rain. Mm-hmm. Find some wet on earth for your Yum. feet to um watch a spooky movie with a friend um do a yoni steam (laughs) drink a hot cup of tea and read a chapter of a book oh i love that (laughs) my brain is saying you be the psychological thriller (laughs) (laughs) what a creep (laughs) (laughs) it's my intrusive thought thanks guys It's a great way to end it. (laughs) Okay, goodbye. Thank you. Find us on TikTok and Instagram at Waking Up the Witch. Please email us your witchy stories, ghost stories, corrections, and advice questions to wakingupthewitch at gmail.com. Love you. Love you.